Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. When it comes to working at GEICO, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she's so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At GEICO, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, GEICO has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside, she still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Fredericksburg. Child sacrifice. Barbaric. Evil. Ancient. Modern. There's nothing new under the sun. Throughout history, children have been sacrificed to a variety of deities in attempts to gain favor or blessings. Aztecs cut their children's hearts out to appease the gods of rain and war. Incas sacrificed their children to the sun god so their crops would flourish. Canaanites sacrificed their infants to Moloch for prosperity. Drums were played loudly to drown out the baby's screams. Child sacrifice never stopped, and we still don't hear their screams. There's nothing new under the sun. We sacrifice our children today, not for rain or war victories, but for freedom or convenience. We sacrifice to gain favor in the workplace, or for the blessings of money or fame. We sacrifice our babies on the altar of free sex. Child sacrifice is no longer a public event. It's done behind closed doors. Rather than a gory burning or bloody stabbing, it's become a neat, sterile, and clinical event. We don't throw our children into the fire or leave them to freeze to death. We starve our babies. We poison them. We rip off their arms and legs and crush their skulls. We call it choice. We call it empowerment. And our culture condones it. We celebrate it. We celebrate baby murder. We consider it vital to our existence. It's become a right. But nothing is different. There's nothing new under the sun. Innocent human beings are still being sacrificed for the selfish gains of those more powerful. Modern child sacrifice is thriving. We must end it. End abortion. Meanwhile, we're going to see millions of people voting to allow more of that. And for what? Because you think you're owed someone else's money. So you want to take it by raising taxes so you can get your quote unquote free college or quote unquote free health care because you lack the personal responsibility to do it yourself. You dislike some tweets or how the president talks. 
or maybe because you're scared of guns and because of that, let's infringe on law and law abiding citizens right to self-defense. Well, maybe you've been protesting over a minuscule portion of tragic or fatal uh, interactions with law enforcement, believing this country is so racist when in reality you're living in one of the least racist countries in the world. Yet all these issues are irrelevant if our children are not given the chance to live. of America. Here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. All right, we're skipping the applause. So just thank you to listening to another episode of Trend Chat. I am your host, Brian Bledsoe. And we're going to you just like I said <laughs> in the previous episode, this is two episodes pretty much almost back to back. And this episode is about voting your theology, if you already seen the title. And so there isn't I'm not going to say too much. We're going to get right into it. But because um, the interview is going to take up the majority of this uh, episode, I guess I would just put out the promos right now as opposed to playing the <laughs> Uh, the promos I normally play, I would just mention about especially trumpmud.com because so, there's a possibility after this <laughs> after this episode, who knows what will become as far as all the stuff. But anyway, trumpmud.com. And if you go to trumpmud.com and put in the code trench hat, you get 10% off. They got mugs, hats, all sort of Trump centric gear. 1776united.com, put in the code trench hat, get 20% off on patriotic. Shirts, mugs, hoodies, and other accessories. Also, Cultural Life, 1972, C-O-L, 1972, the letter C-O-L, 1972.com. Put in the code Trench Chat there, get 10% off. So, Fashion Line for Life, that is Pro-Life, a Pro-Life Fashion Line. And just trying to cultivate a cultural life which as you heard in the beginning we seem like we're doing the opposite of that so our guest is jared gilcher he is a pastor at christ community bible church i've been going there when i can when i'm back in town and and i'm ecstatic (laughs) to have him on because this episode turned out to be a lot better than how I was already planning this episode before the election. And I'm just, you know, in God's sovereignty and being and blessed to have this opportunity at this particular time to actually get sent to talk with him about um, these things. And so, yeah, this interview was recorded well, last month, given this is November 1st. I actually was going to post this on the 31st. <laughs> But uh, so as being a trucker, um, we're recording in Houston, Texas, and I was going to do it last night, 
but uh, one of the aspects is being on the road is where you part and I parked last night at a place that tend to not be so <laughs> at least didn't sound safe put it that way because I was as soon as I parked all I was hearing were gunshots in a distance it wasn't close but still hearing gunshots you know it's kind of kind of hard to fall asleep when you're hearing gunshots for like an hour or two that's kind of how, how long it was going I mean it wasn't like a steady stream but it was every couple of minutes it would pop 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 i mean yeah so i had to move move around and the one just um you know stay alert as far as where i was so anyway that delayed me doing it so i'm doing it this morning on november 1st i'm just putting that out there because you're going to hear about us because we're going to talk about the reformation like i said the number of things we're going to talk about um and so that's one of them and um and so it's kind of centered on october but Look, we're close enough. So anyway, without further ado, uh, here's the interview with Jared. Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we are very pleased to have Jared Gutcher with us. He is the pastor at Christ Community Bible Church in Arlington, Texas, and been looking forward to have him on to talk about a number of issues. Um, we're going to talk about voting your theology and reformation. And maybe some other things. So, how you doing? Oh, so good. Thanks for having me on here, man. So, before we get into anything, I think it's especially in this day and age—not you know, not even in the past couple of years—it's just something that I've noticed when it comes to just talking about anything, whether it's um, theology or any or just mm -hmm. any sort of discussion. It's best to just lay out the terms because yeah. even though me and you may be thinking similar, people that mm -hmm. are listening maybe not maybe have a whole other way of thinking when it comes to this. So uh, mm -hmm. first thing, as I mentioned, like we're going to talk about voting your theology. And, you know, in the words of R.C. Sproul, who has uh, had a book called Everyone is a, the a Theologian, and everyone has a view about God, whether – you know, you believe he exists or not, or mm -hmm. he or she, or whether it's multiple, or, or, or if God is a Muslim or Christian. Mm -hmm. like, we all have a study or view of God, which is literally what theology means. Theo yeah. meaning God and you know, logi, the study of. And the question of whether your theology is informed or not and is true or not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I just want to lay that out so you can go with that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're right, ma'am. You're right. Yeah, yeah, we all do. You know, whether we realize it or not, you know, in, in uh, you know, we all have a world view and, and we all have lenses through which we make sense out of the world. You know, I as a, as you know, what some would call an evangelical Christian, you know, I understand from the Bible that, you know, that we all have uh, lenses through which we view the world, that God has made us to be interpreters. And that, like you said, I think you're exactly right. We do have a, a theology and that even plays into the kind of things we're going to talk about tonight, right? Like voting. I mean, we, we are all voting our theology in one way or another. So yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're right to set that at the outset. And also, and the other thing that something that I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast is that we're coming from a view of objective truth, absolute yeah. truth. 
Yeah. So, so that's where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want to expand on that, as far as you know, I'm pretty sure you can um, give a better explanation than I've been given in the past couple of weeks. No, no, you're right though. You know, I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, for you know anyone who's listening to this, you know, obviously, you know, you and I would would welcome a a really great discussion about truth issues, right? And and just because you know you and I would. Um, you know, claim that the Bible uh, gives absolute truth that, you know, the Bible makes truth claims and, and, and those truth claims are validated by history. Those truth claims are validated by, um, uh, you know, by uh, internal in, internal consistency. The Bible is consistent with itself. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly right. You know, coming from the standpoint of, of, of absolute truth that that the Bible is God's inspired word, right? So, you know, everything that I am going to say tonight, and, and again, and I think you're I think you're so wise to put this out there. Look, let's say where we're coming from at the outset, where I'm coming from, you know, and anything that we're going to talk about tonight is is uh, I'm coming from the perspective of that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative revelation from the living God that God has spoken and revealed Himself in a book. And and that that book matches with the facts of history and and it is internally consistent and um, and that through the truths revealed through that book um, reveal not only um, the authoritative stance on moral issues, but even more than that, that the Bible gives us uh, reveals to us who God is and even um, what comes after death and how to have what the Bible calls eternal life. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's very much. Um, yeah, for us, that's for me. That's 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 the, the deal breaker. That's the biggest issue in the universe. Again, we're in an, an age right now where you have influencers and people who have blue check marks on by their name on social media mm-hmm. um, talking about what is their truth or what is mm-hmm. my truth. And and mm-hmm. so since we you know, we're in that right now. Yeah, that's why I wanted to, you know, say this is where we're coming from. Yeah. We're, like we're not saying like this is my truth. We're saying this is the truth. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, but again, I mean, we, you know, uh, you know, although, you know, um, I would die for that. I would die for objective, absolute truth. And that the Bible is that, you know, I think I think, you know, I think another thing that's missing is, um, you know, the the willingness to dialogue with with people like you and I, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I yeah. really want to, I really want to have these kinds of conversations with people who disagree. And because to me, truth issues are just so worth talking about. I mean, and this is probably not, you know, the, the point of uh, the direction you wanted this thing to go, but I just think, think you're bringing oh, no, up, go ahead. Yeah. I think you're just bringing up really good stuff, you know? So just, I guess my point is for all any, anyone listening to this, you know, who would be tempted to be turned off by, you know, this kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? Um, if you disagree with this, man, I would love to hear why. I want to dialogue with you. I want to talk about these things because because eternity is is worth having um, a spirited discussion about, right? We need to, we need to talk about these things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I've heard this. From, I, I forgot where, but you know, eternity eternity is a long time to be wrong about yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. So I mean, I mean. If you're, for one, if you're someone that even believes in eternity, regardless of even going and talking about theology, but if you just believe in eternity, I will hope you, you know, you are 
really set on what it is because yeah. I mean, like I said, that's a long time to be wrong about it. Yeah, yeah, you better be persuaded of a position, right? It's not something to be to be taken lightly. Hey everybody, it is Chad Prather, host of the Chad Prather Show. You are listening to Trend Chat with my man Brian Bledsoe. Come on with it. Hello, Trend Chat fans. The Founding Project invites you to experience our latest resource to take civics to citizens, TFP's new website. Visit us at www.thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Join us today. So, as I mentioned in the, in the beginning, one thing we're going to talk about is um, voting your theology. And it's something yeah. that you mentioned to me. So, uh, so what do you mean by voting your theology? I mean, is it going to be... Is it something that's going to be a sermon later on or or, or, or what? That's a good question. Yeah. You know, I, I'm definitely going to mention this to my own uh, people, my own congregation. You know, uh, so, uh, something that, you know, that I've heard be thrown around uh, in a good way. It's a good phrase, but it's, you know, vote your conscience, vote your conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's typically something that you hear said from up front. You know, uh, pastors are uh, I'm not even sure if they're allowed, nor do I think it's a good idea to uh, uh, like uh, give people, okay, you should vote for this guy and then say that, say the person politician's name. But, you know, but typically what's thrown around is, you know, vote your conscience. And I thought, you know, that's true. You know, there, we are, our uh, voting decisions are conscience decisions, but our consciences need to be shaped by theology. Our, our consciences need to be shaped by objective, absolute truth. And in, in other words, um, what we feel in our hearts must be uh, must be shaped and produced by, you know, um, by objective, absolute truth um, that uh, that God himself has revealed. So when I say vote your theology, I mean, v- make voting decisions based off a theology, th- theologically inf- informed conscience. So that that's what I'm after. So so that biblical principles would shape and govern and guide uh, how you vote. I guess one thing, I mean, for one, so if, if you're looking at it as so from a theological point of view about how you vote, mm-hmm. and now there are comes to politics, there are just so many in the, you know individual issues. Yeah. Where I mean, so, so a book that I mentioned a couple of times on the podcast that I refer to often is a, a book from Wayne Grudem called Politics According to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And in that large reference book, basically, I mean, because it's not like a novel, it's just basically a reference book because it breaks down a whole bunch of issues that you could just kind of pick and choose out of, you know, out of the book. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these issues, whether we're talking about abortion or uh, just war or uh, mm-hmm. take immigration, take your pick. If someone is looking to, that you know, want to vote biblically or, or as you say, to vote your you know theology mm-hmm. with all these issues i mean how do you prioritize what is you know what's the top priority and what's yes. you know yeah so exactly that you know yeah brian that's a fantastic question you know i mean that's the issue right and and for most people myself included you know there are so many different things to know and keep track of so many um you know nuanced um, uh, issues out there in the world of politics. I mean, how how can you keep it all straight, right? I mean, it is. 
I mean, there, there's a reason why political science is a major. I mean, there, there's a reason why, you know, I mean, I mean this, this, the well, uh, you know, the, the rabbit hole of politics is so deep and there's no end to what you would have to, you know, what you could learn. But I think what you could do, Brian, is is you, you know, I think you could boil it down to a few principles, a, a few things that would sort of um, that if you had these things down, you wouldn't necessarily have to know everything about everything to to do good, well-informed voting. So, for instance, here's what I mean. I think I think at the outset, you know, and again, this is speaking from a uh, from a, a Christian perspective. Um, but I think when it comes to uh, voting, there there are three components at the outset that I think we should keep in mind. Three components that uh, that as a Christian, you know, I want to keep in mind, but, you know, before I cast my vote. And so this is like the the starting point foundation before I even think about individual issues. These are the three things that I want to think about. First, there's a there's a, a witness component. There's a witness component to voting. And by witness, I mean, it's like, OK, well, um, you know, let's let's take you know, uh, the president or, you know, whatever government position that is going to influence um, the church, you know, it's like, OK, I, I'm going to vote for a candidate um, who is um, who is going to have policies um, that will enable us to worship how the Bible calls us to worship. You know, so, you know, call it freedom of religion if you like. But, you know, you know, with the witness component um, or no, excuse me, uh, the worship component, the first one is the worship component. Um, you know, whatever, whatever candidate. Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off friends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details. When it comes to working at Geico, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she is so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At Geico, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, Geico has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside, she still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Fredericksburg. It is, it is out there. I'm going to vote for one who is going to grant religious freedom, right? You know, the, the Bible calls us to, to worship in a, in a particular way. And so I'm going to be, look, you know, voting for a candidate who's going to, you know, affirm that. Even if they're not a Christian, that's that's where I'm going to, you know, my vote is going to lean is to someone who is going to um, uh, allow us to worship in the way that, that God calls us to. The second component is the witness component. Oh, oh, about oh, say, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I have, like, I, I feel like when you said that, I'm trying to think from, I guess, from the other side, like, what would they say? And as soon as you said, it, you know, even if they're not a Christian, I think, if, I guess, if someone listening, like, so what if the person is an atheist? Yeah, well, I mean, same deal, right? I mean, I, I you know, I would be really troubled by a candidate who would be like, well, I'm going to allow, I don't know if this is what you meant, but I'm going to allow Christians to worship the way they want. But an atheist, you know, they're going to be it's like, no, you know what? I mean, this, this has to be, you know, that's what makes America um, unique is that people can make those decisions. Pe people can have that freedom to choose 
uh, who or what to worship or not worship at all. Um, and so, so I think, you know, granting, uh, freedom to worship or not worship, uh, to anybody and everybody, if that's what you meant. Yeah. Well, I was just like, if the candidate, if that candidate was an atheist. Oh, I see. But, yeah. But they still will, but even though they're atheists, they would, um, they would, I guess, put in their, their platform that they would uphill religious, um, Absolutely. liberty, even though they don't believe. Exactly. And I would even find that highly respectable if they were an atheist and they took that position. Now, if I had to choose, Brian, if I had two candidates to choose from and one was a was a, a confessing Christian and, and the other one was a confessing atheist, it's like, OK, well, I'm probably going to lean towards the, the, the Christian because they're going to have uh, a worldview um, that I'm that I'm more in line with and I'm going to agree with. And so. Um, so if I had to choose between those two, you know, but again, there's other issues to consider as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But, but absolutely. Yeah, if they, I'm, if I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. But I just like um, I was just thinking like if someone else, a liberal or whatever, would think like, well, but yeah. Great, so yeah, great but continue. Question. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. Yeah. Interrupt any time, man. I, I don't want to make I don't want to make this a monologue. Um, so that's the worship component. The, the other component that we have to consider is the witness component. In other words, I really believe that that voting, that that Christian Christian voters, um, that there is an aspect of the way we vote is a, is a form of of being salt and light. What I mean is, you know, um, us Christians voting for um, candidates or policies or, or different things that are going to reflect our worldview. You know, I believe that those are. Um, uh, glimmers and shimmers of, uh, of light. And it is, um, you know, little samples of salt. You know, Christ calls us in, in Matthew 5.16 to, to be light of the world and, and to be, uh, salt of the world. And so, uh, when we vote, even if what we want to happen doesn't get voted in, right? So if it doesn't swing the way we want, I still think voting is valuable because we are still making a statement to our representatives like, look, there are people under your rule, under your jurisdiction who hold this view and, and you need to account for that. We, we are a part of the people that you are called to, to lead and represent. And um, and so so uh, in voting, we're making a statement about things that we feel matter. So I think there's a real witness component uh, to voting also. So that's the second component. So before you go in the, in the, into the third one, mm-hmm. uh, and just in, in hearing that, because, you know, regardless of the results, because I, I don't know, I think I maybe mentioned to you when we uh, had a conversation um, a while ago yeah. is, um, you know, like one of my favorite quote, uh, quotes is uh, the duty is ours and, and the results are God's. Yes. And so, you know, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's just voting or just uh, whether it's block walking or doing whatever, you, whatever, but we do the work. And leave the results up, up to God. So. Precisely, precisely. That that's so well put, Brian. You know, I mean, it's like you know, we believe that God is in sovereign control over all things, right? And yeah. and yet yes. that doesn't that doesn't minimize or rule out the responsibility to 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 vote and and to yeah to to be responsible. Which actually brings me to the third component, which is the worldview component. And and by that I mean that you know we. As Christians, you know, I, me, me and other Christians, you know, we vote with uh, uh, particular things about our worldview that inform how we view voting. For instance, you know, we vote, Christians vote uh, 
uh, as, yes, citizens of America, but also uh, Philippians chapter three says that we are citizens of heaven. So we, we have a dual citizenship. We are citizens of heaven and we just happen to live here in America. And so uh, the, the point is we, we cast our votes knowing that even if it doesn't go the way we want, it's like, you know what? We are not staking our identity. We are not staking our ultimate joy. We are not staking our ultimate happiness on, um, uh, on the, um, the, the, the political world going the way we want it. Of course, we want things to, you know, of course, you know, we want things to go um, according to our worldview. But, you know, we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And so, therefore, that's what we're living for. Um, the other part, too, as far as our worldview component is that, you know, Matthew 28, 18, you know, Christ says that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so this kind of goes to your to your point where it's like, you know what, Christ rules everything he rules everything there's there's nothing left to chance there's no such thing as luck there's no such thing as coincidence um christ rules every single detail in the universe and and so therefore when we cast our vote we know that no matter how the outcome plays out uh he is an absolute sovereign control i mean you, you think about you know the different uh political leaders that christians had to be under throughout history you know, you, you think about Nero in the first century. That was not a great situation, right? That, that was not at all. Nero was was a was a, a a terrible ruler from the perspective of you know he he was you know um, psychotic and and um, you know full of himself and and murdered people and um, and and yet um, the early believers had the absolute confidence that Jesus Christ rules everything. And then the third part of the, the worldview component is that, you know, we as Christians, we know where human history is headed. We know that even if everything took a total nosedive and got as bad as they possibly could, could even if tomorrow, you know, the second Stalin rose up and took over the country and built gulags and, and you know, killed 20 million of his own people. At the end of the day, Christians know uh, that where human history is headed, the finish line of human history is a kingdom uh, in which Jesus Christ uh, rules all things and makes all things the way they ought to be. So with the witness component, the worship component and the worldview component, those are really the lenses I feel that that believers ought to look at voting. You know, it's like, OK, we're going to we're going to vote because we want to be a witness we want to vote because we want freedom to worship how God calls us to worship. And then we're going to vote according to a worldview that is persuaded that we are not placing our ultimate hope in a in a presidential candidate or any, any other candidate for that matter. We are placing all of the eggs of our hope in the basket of the supremacy of Christ. And, and uh, with those lenses, then we cast our vote. Now, when you mention about so. When we talk about like the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of everything, and when when I mention about the you know the results are are God's and and everything like that, one thing I wanted to I just want to ask for a quick aside in talking about sovereignty because this is one thing I hear a lot of times, especially well not so much right now because. Well, sports is going on, but anyway, yeah. when when we talk about like football or some sort of sport. Someone say like, okay, they're praying about you know to to win, and I will hear a lot of times like God doesn't ha- doesn't have time for uh, for the results of a football game. To which I will say, 
Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. So so could you? Um. I, I, well, I know this is like a whole question out of nowhere, but like when we talk about the results of just football games, God is in control of that as well. Totally right. I mean, Proverbs sixteen thirty three um, says the lot is cast into the lap, but the Lord determines its outcome. The, the you know lots were the the Old Testament equivalent to rolling dice. What what's more random looking than dice? And yet. Uh, the Old Testament says even the seemingly random role of the dice is determined by God. He does something that I hear a lot of times, especially especially around Super Bowls, you know, whatever like that. Right, right. You know, yeah, but every part of this life, uh, everything plays a part yes. in, in God's design. Everything. Yes, There's absolutely. nothing that's insignificant. <laughs> no, yeah, right. And, and even if even if football uh, – doesn't have, you know, e- eternal value, you know, it's still, you know, the, the scriptures are, are clear that even over, like you said, every detail of life, um, you know, uh, nothing is left to chance, nothing is accidental. Yeah. So no, that's, yeah. I think that's really crucial for us, right? That's where our hope is. I think, you know, the, the deepest foundation of our hope as believers is that God reigns and he rules and he guides and he governs and he leads and he loves and and you know that's where our hope is. And, and going back to to as far as when I mentioned about prioritizing and and just figuring out which issues. Um, so I would just say for for myself when it yeah. comes to um, to voting, for me, I I can't I'm definitely I'm not a one issue voter. But if I wanted to look at what is at the top. And for me, it is the life issue, it, abortion in particular, as far as abolishing abortion. Mm-hmm. That is like at the top of it. And my reasoning for that is because we're talking about some well, the most vulnerable of all. So we're talking about babies who have no voice and mm-hmm. no way of defending themselves. Yeah. So I think of all of the issues, that is the one that I've prioritize mm-hmm. um at the top because i think those are the that's the most vulnerable people yeah. and all the other because all the other issues are you don't you, you can't you can't worry about social security if you can't get out the womb <laughs> yeah i mean you can't you know, right. so i mean so I, I, my, i'm thinking of it like first i want i just want the baby to live first i want a person to live first before we even start talking about if, if that person is an illegal immigrant or not or if they, if they uh, uh qualify for health care or can get free college or whatever like that like yeah. i just want to get out of the womb first and then from that point then i look at the issues after that no i think you're right man i think that's really huge i, I think that's a really helpful paradigm you know, if someone was like, if, felt, if someone felt overwhelmed at like, well, I don't know who to vote for. I mean, there's a, there's a thousand different things to look at. It's like, okay, you're right. If you had time to look at one issue, I agree with you, Brian. I think we go to that issue because in which that, that gets a lot of flack, right? There, that, you know, um, other political perspectives, you know, that they, they really dislike that, that perspective. But to me, it makes so much sense because, you know, that's a worldview issue again, right? You know, I mean, it, it comes down to, if uh, if someone wants to protect the most vulnerable and innocent people on the planet, the, the most helpful, helpless people on the planet, um, and, you know, regardless of, of, you know, what faith they profess, 
um, you know, that at the very least is going to indicate that at some level they value life. And if they value life, then so many other things fall into place, right? So many other things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't, as far as looking at, you know, socioeconomic status and, and mm-hmm. so many, like I said, there's so many other things that are after someone is born. Yes. But here we here we are, in, in, at least in America and in so many places around the globe where people are not even given that chance to even have to worry about those other issues because they're killed before they even get out of the room. Yeah, so, precisely. precisely. And you know what? I, you know, and I had a list of like one, two, three, four, like six things of like, OK, well, you know, here are the kind of candidate. Here's the kind of candidate. You, you know, if you're going to vote here, are the kind of, you know, if you had to boil it down to five or six things, here they are. But for me, you know, number one on the list, again, is that they have to value life, you know. And, and again, from a from a, a Christian perspective, you know, the reason why life is so valuable and unique and set apart and different, you know, why, you know, yes, dogs are valuable. But the difference between human and dogs is that is that humans, according to Genesis 1, through 28, humans alone are created in the image of God. We are image bearers. We are created in the image and likeness of God to display God and reflect God. And 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 there is a particular value placed on human life. And, and if and if someone vows to protect and uphold human life, so many things fall into place, right? If, if they value yep. human life, they're going to be pro-work. They're going to want to uh, help make a kind of economy that there will be jobs for those people who made it out of the womb to work in, right? <laughs> yes. And, you yep. know, and, exactly. and they're going to want to, they're going to, they're going to have views on marriage that will allow uh, people that made it out of the womb, you know, uh, uh, to be married. And, and so, um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a massive issue. Foundational. Commentary as subtle as a sledgehammer. This is Trend Chat. Hey guys, this is Morgan Zegers, the founder and CEO of Young Americans Against Socialism. We are a nonprofit organization working to preserve a free, fair, and prosperous America for generations to come, all by equipping our generation with the truth about socialism. If you are interested in watching our educational videos, donating to the cause, joining the Ask Coalition, or becoming a contributor, you can do all of these things at fightsocialism.org. We hope you'll join us in this crucial fight for the future of our great country. Thanks! Hey, it's Lawrence Jones with Fox News. Check out Trend Chat with my brother, Brian Blesso. So now that we're, we're about almost 30 minutes in, and so I will say now for, I guess, for people who may be listening, this may get a little more controversial if it hasn't already. So, yeah. so and talking about, you know, we're just talking about abortion and, and other issues. Now, an issue that tends to come up where you will have a section of Christians that would, totally disregard what we're talking about as far as issues because they believe in separation of church and state. Yeah. Now I would, for one, that whole issue, I don't know for the people that listen that believe in that, or I don't know if they noticed because that comes from mainly it comes from a letter from Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist talking about that particular issue. Mm. And that has been, I, I would say misinterpreted, grossly misinterpreted, um, to mean that there is some sort of, you know, the, basically you leave a theology at the, you know, at the door and then go vote however you want to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that. The problem with that perspective is that, you know, we all have a worldview and we can't check the worldview at the door. Right. So we are always going to, you know, again, our worldview are, is the interpretive lenses by which we make sense of the world, you know. And, and so, you know, our worldview is always going to inform, you know, decisions that we make. And so, you know, you know, I, I think it would be. Um, you know, foolish and short-sighted for a professing Christian to go, well, you know what, I don't, I don't want, if this is what you meant, you know, uh, for someone to say, look, I don't want, you know, my spiritual beliefs to impact how I vote. I want, I want to be neutral in this. Well, that's, that doesn't work. There's no such thing as a neutral decision. Everything we, every decision we make is a, you know, at some level, a, a moral decision. So, you know, I would definitely encourage believers to, uh, all, all professing Christians to, you know, uh, you know, as we've been talking about, vote your theology, you know, you know, uh, let the scriptures infiltrate, you know, every voting decision that you make. You, you've got to. And, yeah, I, just, I think that's I think that's really crucial. Yeah. You know, when, and when I hear that, the one thing that comes to mind for me is that, OK, and, and it's also the argument that I think of when it comes to abortion, just to bring that back up again, is mm-hmm. that, okay, do you actually believe what you believe to be true? Right. And do right. you believe it to be true for everyone? Because it, well, then it, it goes back to the absolute truth as well. Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. if you believe this to be true, and also, like I said, I'll bring this up as an argument for, um, uh, to when someone brings up about uh, abortion, like, well, do you believe, uh, murder is wrong right and they're like yes i believe it's wrong but okay so if you believe it's wrong then why do you not see that when it comes to abortion if it's well if if you actually believe that it's murder and believing yeah. you know what's going on as far as the procedures of of abortion which you know mm-hmm. so so yeah yeah no no you're exactly right you know i mean i mean i think that would be inconsistent at best um and you know and, and that's um uh, uh, yeah, that, I, I think there's I know that there is a, a better way to go. Let your theology inform your voting. So if if those people I know, well, another I, I guess another argument, they would um, mention the the ones that believe, that believe in the separation of church and state where they would use a scripture like give unto Caesar what is Caesar's yeah. and use and use that verse to justify a separation of church and state. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, church separation of church and state's a, a complex issue, but you know, I mean, that thing there. I mean, that's you know, I mean, it, this, the whole issue of being Christians under a government, uh, under a, a, a under a non-Christian government, it's a complex thing, right? And and yet, what's what's so genius about Christ's statement there? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, um, give to God what is God's. You know, what's so ingenious about that? is that he gives us a paradigm for... Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you got to check out Kohl's. I got my daughter's the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off ends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details. 
switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. How to live as those who, uh, who have him as our highest allegiance. And yet, although we are Christians who have Christ as our highest allegiance, he gives us a paradigm for how we may respectfully and wisely uh, live in a culture ruled by authorities that that are not Christian, you know. So, um, you know, sure, sure, there there is there are certain levels where the government does not have the right to uh, to tell us, you know, what we can and cannot believe as Christians or or Muslims. They can't, you know. I mean, I I would hold that across the board. I I don't I disagree with Islam. I disagree with Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I, I, I do, I do not think those are, those are right. I do not, I do not believe those are truth. Um, at the same time though, um, you know, separation of church and state demands that, that, uh, the government is hands off when it comes to, um, you know, how they worship. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be, that would be a misapplication of that scripture at best. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, um, I guess when it comes to particular issues and I, I feel like, there, so whether it's talking about the you know abortion issue or maybe it's separation of church and state, like I feel like there are a number of issues that are keeping that there are inconsistencies mm. when it comes to as far as how they're voting one way, mm-hmm. which is inconsistent to what their world worldview and what their theology theology is, and I think this idea of separation of church and state and also wanting to you know also another thing that that i noticed too is when it comes to talking about tax taxation as well Mm. and i feel like those are are the issues that are kind kind of being misinterpreted in Mm. in the sense and so like so like when i mentioned about taxation where you will have people that that see taxation as some form of charity or just see the government in general Mm. as a, a form uh, as a chair charitable organization in a way mm. so they they have no problem as far as using government and basically right. replacing their you know the replacing the church as far mm. as caring for the community yeah 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 it's a complex issue right i mean there there are so many things to hold in balance and you know, so many things that may not necessarily have chapter and verse, you know, in, in the Bible. And, and so we have to operate, you know, wisely off of, off of principles. And, you know, it, it's these are these are these are really complex, complex issues. And, um, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right there. You know, each one of these things that you could you could argue either way. And, you know, how does uh, how, how do churches operate 
you know, how, how you know, how does there, there, there's it seems like, you know, the, the best you can say is that, OK, you know what? We always have to walk a line of tension as the church um, in our partnership and cooperation with the government that rules us. Right. Because, you know, the, the, the New Testament is clear. You know, Christians, we are to respect the governing authorities. We are to honor them. Uh, we are to respect them. We are to do what they tell us to do. We're going to be obedient to them um, until or unless the governing authorities uh, call us to do something that is contrary to Scripture. So, you know, I, I respect government leaders. I respect political leaders. I want to I want to submit to them. I want to obey them. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to do what I can to make their job easier. And and yet when push comes to shove, when when, um, you know, they there is political governmental overreach, that's when, you know, we have to put our foot down. So but it, these are tough issues for sure. Yeah. And um, I mean, because I mean, especially this year when it, as far as with everything with COVID and all that. And so yeah. that, has, yeah. that has really been been an issue. Um, sure on, I mean, I guess it, for people that don't know. So. Um, you went to Master Seminary, so, so you right. know firsthand of, of Pastor John MacArthur and yeah. what was going on and, and what was going on there. Yes, yes, yeah, you know, and 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 I really appreciate you know what he has said, you know, um, you know, in particular, you know, with the situation of the whole thing with COVID, you know, look, you, you know, it, it's tough, you know, um, very, you know, uh, MacArthur and Grace Community Church have been very public and. And explicit about their uh, uh, obedience and submission and, and appreciation for the governing authorities, and they have been for decades. And you know, it became clear that that this was overreach. And it, and you know, and I, I really appreciate what MacArthur said. He goes, you know what? The church has to be the church. The church has to be the church. You know, there were calls that that the the local governing authorities in Southern California were making that was not their call to make. And you know, and so. Um, eventually, you know, and I, I, I think they worked hard and, and we did here down in Texas. We worked hard to keep our ear to the tracks. OK, all right. Well, what is what is Governor Abbott um, asking of churches? I, you know, I, I, I paid attention to that. I want to honor him and uh, in, in his position. And uh, and yet sooner or later, the church has to be the church. And um, we answer ultimately to Christ, who is the head of the church. He is the uh, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so, um, yeah, that's uh, these, are, these are challenging days to be a Christian and to be a part of a church. I guess in, in going back a little bit about when you have well, like when you have uh, churches where it seems like I mean, for one, the church should should be the one as far as taking care of people in the community and. I mean, am, am I right? I'm... Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question, Brian. I mean, that's a complex issue, too. You know, uh, Paul makes clear in Galatians six, um, you know, you know, he says, let us do good to all, especially to the household of faith. What does that mean? Well, he's saying that that the church, you know, again, the church is to do what they can um, uh, to help anyone in need. But then, the, you know, he has that, that sort of, you know, emphatic clause, especially to the household of faith. You know, th this is, this is probably something that, that a lot of, there's a lot of disagreement about this and, and not everyone has to accept what I'm about to say. I think first and foremost, 
the church has to take care of, of their own people. Not to the exclusion of anyone in the community, per se, but first and foremost, we are to make sure that the people of our own household, so to speak, the people of our own churches are uh, taken care of, you know, that widows are being cared for, widows in our congregation are being cared for, that, that uh, you know, if, if there is someone in a, a financial crisis or someone in a job crisis that in our church, that it's we need to take care of them first. And, and what's, what I love about that is that uh, Christ also makes clear in John 13 and in John 17 that when Christians in the same church love one another well, that actually is a profound witness to the outside world that like that if that if, if if the outside world, the culture, non-Christians in the world can see Christians in their churches loving each other and taking care and caring, taking care of each other well, that is a profound witness and and reveals and displays the, the love of God. Now, um, one single church, obviously, you know, and this is not what you're saying, but but one single church can't obliterate uh, poverty from a city. Right. You know, yeah. not there's not one church that that can take care of all social problems. But I think I think each individual church has to wisely consider how they can uniquely help uh, and and assist the community um, and love the community in which they are in. You know, they what not one church can do everything. But maybe a church can do one thing really well. So I think first, take care of your own. Make sure your own people are doing well and then do what you can in the community. Um, and and it, that might be really driven by just the neighborhood that you're in, the region that you're in um, and do what you can to make an impact where you're at. I guess, so I guess one one last thing before we uh, move on, it just where I, for, for me, I feel like we've gotten to the point because, you know, as you just said, I mean, at this point, it's not like um, if everything just switched tomorrow, uh, the church could could uh, take over as far as uh, what what most of the government is is involved with now. Right. Right. But but over the in the past, I, I will probably go back 100 years. Um, it, it seems like the people in the church have kind of basically have everything upside down mm-hmm. um, to where you have the churches almost usurp their their duty mm-hmm. to take care of the community and have pushed that on to the government. I see. And, and now all the stuff that we should be doing. And like I said, if um, if we were to get back that, that we're going to have that would have to take time to reverse. Yeah. But we've we have cultivated a a culture now. So where we're not even considering that where we have accepted that that's their job. But no, yeah. that's not the case. That's that what we were supposed to do. But we have given that up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think you sound a good alarm for us. You know what I mean? It, you know, it, it is easy to kind of sit on our leaves a little bit, sit on our thumbs and go, oh, you know what? Well, the government's going to take care of that. And I, and I think you're right. I think, you know, uh, each individual church should look strategically at specific opportunities that are around them to, um, to to be at the front end of providing, you know, some kind of uh, uh, special, unique um, uh, service to the community in which they live. I think you're right. I, I think you you sound a good warning for us to have our to to really be mindful of how we as the church um, can not only help with physical, financial, 
kinds of needs, but in addition to that, spiritual, right? Because that's what we're after, you know. I mean, you know, as the church, you know, we are not just doing social good. You know, we want to do we want to do good in society. We want to do good in the culture. But the thing about the church is that, well, we have sort of the one-two punch of sure, we, let's let's take care of some societal needs the best we can with our the resources that any church has. At the same time, what we really, what we're, we're especially, maybe I can put it that way, especially concerned about are, are people's eternities. So, so you're right, Brian. I think, I think at some level it's a both and. Put it this way, you know, as Christians, we care about all suffering, all suffering, but we care especially about eternal suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, um, I guess another component to this, um, I guess kind of going back to talking about taxes is because um, if we had a different mindset as far as taxes were to, um, to for one, not look at it as where we're giving, uh, like we're just going to vote to have more and more taxes because we feel like we, we, we are treating the government as a charity in, in, mm. in a sense. And like if we had, uh, if we actually kept more of our own money, then we could, you know, give more to the church for them to help out in the community. There go, mm-hmm. you know, in, you know, shrinking the government, and, and so it it, it kind of gets into where because I'm I am for a decentralized uh, federal government, mm. and and so so wow. just to, yeah. to try to decentralize it, limit the government as much as as much as possible, because you know the more local the easier it is to mm. be accountable. That, um, that's a great point. So as that's opposed a, that's to, a, you know, looking at it from the, like a top down. <laughs> yeah, that's a, Brian, that's a great point. I, I had never heard that before, but that's a really interesting point. Because, you know, as I think about it as a Christian, you know, what's my goal? Is, is my goal to be, you know, just this is a kind of a separate issue, but think about, okay, you know, we're really, in, America is increasingly interested in being debt-free, right? Well, as mm-hmm. a Christian, the goal is not being debt-free. As a Christian, the goal is generosity. The goal is generosity for uh, what we know as the Great Commission, Christ's mission unfolding in the world to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. So I think that's interesting. You, I think you make a good point. You know, how can we uh, interact with uh, the government in such a way where, you know, um, money that more money that would otherwise go to taxes winds up being channeled um, uh, to the community from the church. I think that's an interesting point. I had never thought about that. Yeah, and um, so yeah, that's just mm. and so okay. all of that, all of those things are what goes into how I vote now. Mm. Um, and these mm. are all things. So, uh, well, as far as my story, so I, you know, a lot of things for me as far as being politically involved all came around 2008. Mm. As far as mm. and that was when you know I just made my faith my own. Mm. And because I mean, growing up in in church, I mean, and everything, but actually just kind of going through the motions. And pretty much kind of consider, you know, looking back at it now, more of a false convert. And mm. so at that time, that's when I really, uh, really took it personally, I guess you would say. And, yeah. and, um, and so in that time, so around that time, I just wanted to, uh, when it came time to vote, I just wanted to know why I was voting for a person and looking for their, their policies and platform. Mm-hmm. And so I would know if someone would ask, 
how, why you vote for so and so, I can tell them why. That's on. <laughs> that's the, that's basically how I got started. <laughs> I wanted to true. actually explain why I voted for a person, and yeah. from that point on, here we are now. I'm talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, you wanted to be an informed voter, and not just an informed voter, but one who is informed um, by the deepest issues of, of life. Yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Lucia Scaramacchia and you are listening to Trend Chat. This is Lacey Williams, the founder and president of Expressions Magazine, letting you know that you can order our quarterly magazine and support female conservatives by visiting express-conservatism.com or you can follow us on social media on Instagram with the username of expressions underscore conserve mag or on Twitter with the handle of at express underscore conserve. Get your copy today. This is Trend Chat. Now, given that in being October, and I know a lot of people love to talk about Halloween, but for me personally, I like to talk about because it's Re- Reformation Month. That's right. <laughs> and and especially when it comes to October 31st, it's Reformation Day for me. That's exactly so, right. Now, so you've been doing a, a number of uh, sermons, uh, and I was there when you was talking about John Calvin. Mm. And so, but but before, uh, I guess, again, to kind of really um, – define our terms so the reformation can you give a i guess a brief um history about what the reformation is first yeah absolutely yeah so uh the reformation was not a single movement led only by one man but but really what it was was um you know the the sovereign providence of god in history when the gospel uh the the gospel of jesus christ namely that uh God is a holy God. He has created us to know him. We are sinners. We only deserve judgment and condemnation because of our sin. God sent a savior, namely Christ, who died in the place of sinners, and he offers them eternal life uh, through his death. And and that salvation that he offers is by grace alone, through faith alone, in him alone, that 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 message of salvation uh, had been long buried under, you know, several hundred years of, of tradition and, um, and, uh, uh, you know, even, yeah, just it, it was that. So the Reformation is when the true gospel, um, again, reemerged, uh, in history. So on October 31st, 1517, uh, Martin Luther, who was a, who was a, uh, um, uh, a, a Catholic monk, he um, wrote this document called what that we know as the 95 Theses, and the 95 Theses were 95 disputations or 95 sort of arguments, um, things that he wanted to discuss and dispute about um, with the Catholic Church of which he was a part. Um, I, there may be Catholics out here uh, listening to this, and so I, you know, I, I want to, I would welcome you to the, the conversation, and and um, and, and uh, so please don't take it, don't take this personally if if you're a Roman Catholic. But Martin Luther, you know, hammered the these 95 theses onto the church door to have a discussion about, and really the at the end of the day, his bottom line issue is that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and it cannot be obtained through human works, merit, or achievement. And that's really the message of, of the Reformation, that salvation is is free and cannot be earned by your works, but only by grace alone. All right. So uh, I know, so at the sermon that I was um, at when you were talking about John Calvin, it was funny. 
when um to to see that you were doing a sermon on John Calvin because only because um before I came to the came to the church that day, I was wondering what shirt I was gonna wear. And I have a Calvinist shirt. <laughs> uh, from, so from the from the movie Calvinist, because um I contribute I contributed to the Kickstarter for that for that movie to get made. And so oh, yeah. I got a shirt I got a shirt and a mug. <laughs> and um I, I was going to I didn't even I didn't know that's what you was gonna talk about either. Oh, but I was, I was gonna wear. Yeah, because I was gonna wear the Calvinist <laughs> shirt. And I was like I was like, eh, nah, that's all right. And then I come in, you talking about John Calvin, like, man, I should have worn a shirt. You should have, you should have went right back home and got your Calvin <laughs> shirt on. That would have encouraged me so much. I know. I was like, man, <laughs> I should just put it on. Uh, that's so great. That's so yeah, great. So, and so your, um, so last, your last sermon was on Jan Hus, right? That's right. So, uh, well, I mean, I guess if you can, I guess give like a, a, a brief, I guess, uh, I guess a brief word on both on Calvin and now it's hard to give a brief word about Calvin, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a brief word on Calvin and y'all. <laughs> yeah. Especially for me too. I'm a, I'm a preacher, yeah. right? So preachers <laughs> don't do anything. They don't say anything briefly, Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, John Calvin is 26 years younger than uh, Martin Luther. He came onto the scene um, again, a Roman Catholic. He wanted to be a lawyer and then he fell in love with, with literature and, you know, all of a sudden he came in contact with the doctrines of grace, you know, that, um, again, those, uh, um, you know, the, the uh, like unconditional election that God chooses who will be saved, that, um, you know, the, the doctrine that, that God must awaken, spiritually awaken a sinner before they can they can understand the gospel. And and again, the, the reemphasis of those, the five solas, grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, scripture alone. He came in contact with that and eventually got saved and, and uh, eventually made his home in Geneva, Switzerland, where he was a pastor and he was a, a trainer of pastors. And um, I think what's really interesting about uh, Calvin is that, you know, he had a training school there in Geneva. And so not only did he pastor a flock, but he trained pastors to go back into France, many of whom became martyrs. Jan Hus uh, was born in 1373, uh, died in 1415. So he was uh, about 100 years before Luther. He was a Bohemian or, you know, uh, you know, what is now the uh, Czech Republic. Uh, you know, and he was, um, you know, again, a, a same kind of story where he was a, a, a Catholic priest and, he came in contact with the writings of John Wycliffe from England, and John Wycliffe was a pre-reformer, and, and um, you know, Wycliffe's writings pointed to the Bible. Uh, Hus was deeply impacted by that, himself became a, a, a Christian. Um, he had a, a little chapel, at, actually it wasn't so little, it was, uh, you know, it could hold, you know, four, you know, three or four thousand people in this chapel. And he became this uh, passionate, zealous, lion-hearted preacher of the word there in Czech Republic. And there really was awake, an awakening. There really was a, you know, what some even might call a, a, a revival of sorts in the Czech Republic. He came under um, uh, scrutiny by the Catholic Church. Um, they had many complaints against him uh, for things that he preached. Um, he was very critical of the priests in his city who were extremely corrupt. He was, um, he, but he was mostly killed for his, uh, the, the chief thing that, that was offensive to the, the religious powers of the day was his insistence that Christ alone is the head of the church. It was very offensive in that day. 
Eventually, he had to stand trial. Um, it wasn't much of a trial. It was more of uh, recant or die. Um, they kept him in solitary confinement for about eight months, uh, came out as this uh, withered uh, small man at the age of 42, just, just suffered incredibly in this dungeon and would not recant. And so they, they killed him on July 6th, 1415. Um, and so he and John Wycliffe, you know, I, I like to put it this way. If, if Martin Luther pulled the pin of the Reformation, it was men like John Wycliffe and Jan Hus who built the bomb. All right, so so we're, we're at the end, but I do have two questions right quick. And yeah, um, well, one, what is your definition of evangelical? Yeah, I mean, well, you, mentioned, you mentioned it earlier and. I mean, we hear it all the time, especially when we're talking about, you know, during the election and all that, we're talking about evangelicals and all. Like, like what, what, what is your definition of the word evangelical? Boy, that's a great question. You know, I know that's a spongy term, and it, and it, yeah. and evangelical does not mean what it used to mean, you know, several decades ago. You know, I rarely use the title term for myself, um, but if you had to push me in a corner and, and make me define it. I would say, well, you know, uh, you know, since evangelical is from the Greek word euangelizomai, which is which literally means to preach the gospel. You know, I, I think that I would define evangelical is that uh, I am a Christian who believes, upholds and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are all sinners, that we all deserve God's wrath and judgment. Um, and and yet at the same time. God loves the human race, and he has sent a savior uh, to the planet to uh, to die in the place of sinners, to be treated as sinners deserve, and to extend to them um, undeservingly and by sheer grace and mercy the the offer of salvation and eternal life. And, and, and so that savior is Jesus Christ himself, and salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And, and we and, and I and, and others like me hold to the Bible alone as the source of truth. So if I had to define evangelical, I would probably define it as that. Yeah. And I guess, well, given, you know, like I said, we're talking about a reformation and also like the difference between that and Protestants. Oh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Well, I think at one point in time, those two things, I mean, uh, I might be fuzzy on my history, but I think at one point in time, you know, to be an evangelical and to be Protestant, I think those at one time would have been considered the same thing. OK, you know? yeah, I, I thought so, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I really like the word Protestant. Right. I mean, because you hear the word yeah. protest protest in there, you know, Christian, <laughs> we were the first protesters. You know, we were <laughs> protesting a false gospel that was that was proclaimed. And uh, so, you know, I, I am a. I am a gospel preaching protester. <laughs> All right. So now, so uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, I saw it in, I don't know, was it your Facebook page or somewhere? You said that you studied Japanese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was my minor in college. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm all the reason I mentioned that because um, I'm thinking of going to Tokyo. Well, this was before COVID, but I'm still thinking yeah. about going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, but, um, Man. So what what should I look for? What if I'm I plan to go in a couple of years at least now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the the purpose of your trip is it uh, business or pleasure? Um, pleasure. Yeah. You know what? The the thing is, Japan is is an unbelievable country, and Tokyo. Um, I actually I've never been to Tokyo. I've only been to Osaka and Kobe and Kyoto, um, and uh, and those are pretty big cities too. But 
I mean, it's another world, man. I mean, and there is so much there to, to see. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think Japanese culture is super interesting. Um, you know, it's that it's that funny mix of there's ancient things, there's ancient sort of cultural things, and and it's in the same city like Tokyo, blended with state of the art. Um, you know, kind of modern technology stuff. So, you know, I would say, you know, uh, um, if, if you like baseball at all, this is not top of the list. Um, <laughs> but, uh, if you had 10 things you wanted to do in, in Tokyo, at least one of the 10 is go to a baseball game. I mean, they are so exciting and, uh, just, I mean, they, they are diehard baseball fans. But, you know, if you're not a baseball okay. fan, that's not going to mean much to you. But the food, okay, yeah. the food is incredible. So you, you'll love you'll love the food. I mean, I when I went to Japan, uh, they had a, a restaurant with those conveyor belt sushi restaurants where it's like little conveyor belts go all around the restaurant that we didn't have that yet. So I saw that it blew my mind. I had never seen anything like that. Oh, OK. So okay, it, yeah, it's quite the place, man. Yeah, I, I, I missed my opportunity because I was stationed when, when I was in the army. I was stationed in South Korea and oh. um. And I could have gone to Japan. I just didn't go. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man so I missed, yeah. And, I missed and I missed my opportunity. So I'm like, I, I'm going to go. Cause, um, so, and so I kind of planned the trip about two, about a year and a half ago thinking, all right, I'm looking to go in a couple of years to, to go to Japan for uh, a week or two or whatever like that. So, and so, yeah. So when I saw that, I just wanted to ask you. Totally. You got it. You got to do it, man. You got to do it. It, it would be, it's life changing. And you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, they have all of the, you know, conveniences of, of an American culture. And yet, you know, they're so homogenized. It's, you know, there's, there's very few, you know, gaijin or Westerners who, who live there, comparatively speaking, you know, and so it's just a taste of something so radically different from American culture. And that's good for us to get out of sort of our bubble, to get sort of out of our, you know, realm that we're used to and to be in a place where they drive, you know, on the opposite side of the road and where they <laughs> eat food that doesn't resemble anything we've ever had. And um, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's good for us to experience other cultures. All right. Well, Jared, if, uh, people want to know more about Christ Community Bible and Church and want to find you on social media or the church on social media, where would it go? So they would go to www.ccbiblechurch.com and you can find out anything about us there. Uh, we also have a Instagram hashtag. I don't think it's used a ton, but it's it's used enough. So I think it's hashtag we are CCBC. Um, and uh, we also have our own YouTube channel and uh, Facebook page. Um, we record. Um, we do live streaming on, on Sundays um, and all of the links to everything you would ever need if you wanted to hear and know more. Uh, could be found on the website. We also offer Bible and theology classes. So as you, as you heard in the beginning, I'm, I'm teaching Greek. All of those have been recorded. So if you wanted to learn Greek, you could do that for free. All of those sessions are, are recorded on video and and uh, you could uh, we have those kinds of resources that we want to make available to the community. All right. You know what? I, I, I'm going to say, we, even though I, you know, we just finished this interview, I, I would say this definitely like one of my favorite interviews i mean i really appreciate you coming on and mm. talking about all of this and you know if we go past 200 you know we would love to have you back on again oh i'd love it man thanks i kind of invited myself on thanks for being so kind to me and letting me do this 
Oh no, I, I would have invited you anyway. Uh, yeah. This is something. This is something I've been wanting to do more of, as far mm. as and you know, just like I mentioned. So if we go past 200, I would like to do something like this at least once a month. Talk about different particular issues or something like that. Um, that's. I mean, I, I'm just saying that, that now to you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what time you have. So, but yeah, yeah but that's. This is something I've. This I would would want it to do more. Um, in the past, so likewise. So yeah, I appreciate likewise. it. Sign me up, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever part you want me to play and what you're doing. Sign me up, man. All right, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, friends, so much. This is Trend Chat with your host Brian Bledsoe. All right, and thanks for Pastor Jarrett for joining us. And so, like I said, that was the whole episode going to be pretty much that, but. Here we are at the end, and given this is the last episode before the uh, election coming up, so wanted to, <clears throat> I guess, give a, I guess a little bit of um, what I would hope to happen uh, when we return after the election. So I would um, you know, in 2016, um. I was skeptical of uh, President Trump and because, you know, he had no record in it in the past three years, though. I've been pleasantly surprised overall in doing what he said. Uh, I disagree with the ban on bump stocks and use of tariffs, tariffs and, you know, in trade and executive orders and signing of more, you know, government spending. Um, but even with all of that, it has been more of a pause of the Democrats push towards socialism than either Bush administration, whether it's HW or W. So, and I mean, I know I saw something from um, a friend on Facebook and I thought it, she said it well, especially uh, us as Christians when it comes to voting for Trump. And she says, no, I'm not voting for Trump because he's Christian. I'm, I vote for Trump because he creates a landscape for me to live as a Christian. And that's, you know, that sums it up well because Democrats have shown time and time again to be more and more hostile towards Christians, whether it's uh, a, a couple, they, they want compliance. They like, they don't, want tolerance when it comes to lgbtq issues like it's it's fine to be tolerant but they don't want tolerance they want compliance and they have no problem using the government to force it upon you and either that or or something kind of like you know with birth control or as far as just using the power of the government to infringe on your religious liberty and i mean we just saw that with Amy Coney Barrett as far as, and also uh, um, someone I know from that was with the heritage foundation some years ago, Russ Volt, who were attacked as a Christian just for being Christian and believing in Christian principles. Like with Russ in particular, you had Senator Bernie Sanders out there basically doing the same thing as far as trying to use some sort of religious test to say that, well, he does, he doesn't, 
deserve to be in this position mainly because he's a Christian and in their mind, they think that um, being a Christian, that, that, that basically disqualifies you, especially if you really believe in um, some of the things that me and Pastor Jared were just talking about. And look, also, as I played in the beginning, and also let me also not, um, I think I forgot to make sure to credit that uh, audio that I played at the beginning. That is from Choice 4-2. Um, and the voice you heard in that very beginning, that was Laura Clausen, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times. So I apologize for not mentioning that after that. But, um, but yeah, you can see the video cause that was, that was audio from a video that was just released recently. And so you can go to choice Four two on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they, they posted on all of them. So, um, but the Democrats advocacy for killing innocent lives in the womb, that right there should be enough to, to notice how callous and cruel this party can be towards innocent lives. So, I mean, after this election, so like if, if Biden wins, you know, there's going to be some anger, not going to act like no one's going to be mad and there, there's going to be tears and you're going to kind of see this similar reaction to when Hillary lost. You're going to see some people crying and upset and all of that. And you know, the media and celebrities and the blue check marks on social media are going to eat it up and they're going to plaster it. Um, just like how we were <laughs> when Hillary lost and saw all those people crying and all that uh, media is going to just take that and run with it. It's going to probably be on Saturday night live and to make fun of it all. Uh, that being said, I don't think you're going to have any mass violence if Biden wins, you know, compared to if Trump wins, where you have their followers, you know, Biden supporters or people who hate Trump that are pretty much just threatening America that they're going to burn cities down if Trump wins. So, I mean, it's almost like they're holding, you know, the country hostage kind of like what i mentioned in the last episode but um but look again as i mentioned in the interview and i've probably said before you know the duty is ours and the results are god so we've at this point you know we've pretty much done all we can do um as far as um being you know if you know being republican going out doing what you had to do or on both sides both you know both sides are working so <laughs> Um, so now it's just up to, up to the, the count and how, however long that's going to take. Look, I, I will also mention this as far as like reasons f to vote for Trump. So I will say like, you know, tax cuts and I bring that up because as soon as you mention that, someone want to say like, well, that's just for the rich. No, I know where near rich and I benefited from the tax cut. So. And that's just something where the media and Democrats are just using that to try to make it seem like it's just for one section of the, of the population, which is not true. And, and as far as uh, abortion goes, um, he restored the Mexico City policy, which restri restricts taxpayer money to fund abortions internationally. And along with that, having constitutionalist judges like the three Supreme court justices also with lower courts as well. Something I mentioned before, and then what he's done with veterans as far as like veterans 
uh, um, VA accountability and also other things and uh, taking a stand on illegal immigration, actually building the wall, at least to going somewhere with it and on and on and on. Actually, there's a website called 140reasons.com. And it's basically just 140 reasons why to vote, for, why you should vote for Trump. And it's actually more than 140. So I would just say, just check that out. If you haven't voted yet, check that out. Um, and so anyway, um, this has gone way longer than I think probably it's probably the longest episode, but that's fine because this is basically, as I mentioned last episode, this is kind of why we even continue to go on this year anyway. And so I would just, I guess my last words in this episode will be this, you know, by, you know, by the next episode, as I mentioned, you know, we'll, well, possibly, possibly have a winner, given if there's no long delay of, um, counting votes and, and all of that, you know, with all the mail-in balloting, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be an influx of that. I don't know if I mentioned on here before, but I'm, I am an alternate election judge in in Tarrant County, so I'll, I'm going to be there on election day. Um, as far as that, setting up the polls, um, all the stuff and all that. So um, I have something. I guess I have a story about that because I never done that before. And um, but yeah, so either we're going to have four more years of President Trump, or basically we're at the beginning of a biden harris more so harris administration and i mean i pray we don't return to obama's vision to fundamentally transform this country into some socialistic utopia and you know resist the seductive song of free quote-unquote free envy jealousy and instead choose for more personal responsibility and continue to making this you know making america great again so um till next time after the election whenever that is we'll chat with you later new hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from duncan a bright and balanced full-bodied blend brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset and even after that because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. At the heart of your job search is a mission for more. You want a career that inspires you and sparks your pursuit of truth and justice. At the FBI, we too are on a mission to find exceptional people like you. We're gathering experts from all backgrounds to help us stay ahead of threats to our nation. Your pursuit for more deserves nothing less. Visit fbijobs.gov forward slash radio.